With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and we're going to get wet with today's guest. Very wet. Hi, I'm Lola Jean. I'm a sex educator, a headmistress of Seven Days of Domination, and the world record holder for volume squirting. That is right. Lola Jean is the two-time world record holder for squirting. She even bested science. Scientists say the maximum volume for squirting is 900 milliliters, and Lola squirted 50% more. What a freaking Olympian. Usually people are just shocked at how fast I can do it because I'm an athlete at this point, and it's more I just have like a mindful of a connection, and once that's there and I'm like prepared, I can do it in a few seconds. We dive into Lola's squirting backstory, as well as some expert pointers for aspiring squirters. And we also discuss Lola's side hustle of fetish wrestling. I pretty much get everything from this website, sessiongirls.com, and that helps me because I only want to see wrestling clients. Plus, Lola offers some advice for how to get started with pegging, so of course we talk butt stuff. I can't tell you how many times I've been like hooking up with someone and like I over communicate because I don't think I don't want anyone to think I'm just going to stick a finger up their butthole like they are going to know before anything goes in there but I will stimulate the prostate externally it's kind of a more like bulging part between the balls and the butthole and just by kind of massaging or pressing on that area I'll get a big reaction from them it's like surprise honey that's your prostate I had such a fun, wide-ranging conversation with Lola Jean. I feel like we covered so much ground. So let's get into it. This is the craziest shit ever. Just when I was researching you, I was <laughs> like, whoa, we, okay, we got to start here. Um, and then we'll get into your stuff. But I read a tweet that said, the first performance that truly moved me and repulsed me in the best of ways was a performer at the Box NYC who sewed her vulva shut and people left during the piece. And anyway, I was like, okay, I need to know everything. (laughs) So that was actually when I started performing at the Box myself. And they were like, come to a show before you perform, we'll comp you in. And I went and it was like, you know, very fantastical and amazing. And I will say from someone who performs at the box, it's a lot more fun to be the performer than it is the person who attends. Um, (laughs) But they have like a different cadence or way they do their run of show. And it's usually like palatable, palatable, shocking. And clearly this was the shocking one, um, which was also what my act was. But that was, I mean, I was at enough of a distance. I've learned over time that I'm okay with needles, not okay with blood. 
Um, oh. But I was at enough of a distance where it was okay. But I was just loving watching the crowd's reaction. And they're all these tech bros that are like insulted. And I remember the host, who was Ariana Grande's brother, oh. was like, she, it's her body. She can sew it shut if she wants. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so funny. Was she really doing it? Was she really yeah. sewing it? I have a lot of friends who do needle performances and play and things like that. And one of them was telling me that, like, that's a performance that people do. And, like, the heel time on it is different. So you might have to have a certain amount of recovery time before uh-huh. you do it again. But... I have like friends that are performers that like they're an athlete at this kind of performance. So their body is so used to needles going through skin that it just takes it differently or like they bleed less and all of this stuff. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Well, that's a doozy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you do so many things in the sex space. You're a sex educator. You are a headmistress. You have all these different things. So I just want to rewind for a second to like when your sexuality journey kind of started to evolve. Yeah. So I have, there are these two instances in my life that I call like my sexual revolutions. And they're very different, but they were just periods of times where I was going in a very deep exploration. And the first one was just about doing. That was in my early 20s. And it was just about doing different things. But honestly, like it wasn't focused on my pleasure at all. So it was very draining. I didn't have enough safety or things set in place to protect myself. And honestly, like I had a large period of celibacy that followed that because of how draining it was. And in that second sexual revolution that was in more of like my mid twenties, that was focused on my pleasure and really Mm. discovering myself. And it really started after, gosh, this like one pivotal week, I swear to God, that all of my careers took off. I learned that I was capable of squirting. I had my heart broken. Like all this Whoa. stuff happened in the same, and I like left my job. There's all these things <laughs> that happened in the same like couple month period. But it was after I had feelings for someone for the very first time when I was like 26 or 27. And that was also the first time I squirted. And for reasons unrelated to the squirting, it ended. My heart was broken. I didn't have my first relationship that I thought I was going to have. And that's when I was like, I have waited 26 years to find someone I have feelings for. I am not waiting any longer to do some of the sexual shit that I want to do because I'm not going to find someone to do it with. I thought this would be the person. And that's kind of what started that second one. And it also coincided with leaving my job in advertising starting to waitress and then getting fired from that. And then starting to just do a lot of odd jobs, which was working in a dungeon as a dominatrix because I was starting to dabble in kink and I really liked it. And working for a different sex educator, doing social media and marketing, doing wrestling fetish, like all of these like different things because I was just trying to juggle a bunch of things to make ends meet and to do jobs I didn't hate. And that's just when everything kind of fell into place. Like I never intended to be a sex educator. I never intended to disappoint my parents, but you know, this is where we are. And it's just, it's worked out so well, which is where you just can't deny some of the fate that plays into it. Yeah. I also kind of love that feminist evolution. Okay. So you were working in this dungeon. When did you start to like start doming yourself? And when did you kind of like start exploring these other more sex work kind of positions? So kind of all sort of at the same time, but what really started it was there was an individual I met on Tinder 
And this was somebody who identified as a submissive and he was really into humiliation, didn't like pain, but he liked a lot of like public, physical, like all sorts of types of humiliation. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that, but you're really cool. I really like you. Let me check some things out, try some things out. And, you know, I did a bit of digging, a little bit of doming people online and stuff. And I was like, wow. Turns out I'm great at this and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So like that's what got me into it initially because the thing is I thought that I was like when I was dabbling in kink that I was a bratty sub. Turns out that's a fucking joke. Um, (laughs) I like the only submissive part I have in my body is bratty. So you can argue if that is actually submissive or not. Like these days, I don't actually really like playing with extreme power dynamics, for the most part, I like doing more of like a fetishist, more kink heavy, less power dynamics. Mm. Um, there can still be like sort of power roles that we play, but I don't like strict corporal or things like that. But anyway, so that's how I started to get into it. So when I got fired from my job, I was going on Craigslist and that's where I met an individual who wanted to take a picture of my strong quads. And he's the one who told me about wrestling fetish. And that's where I found an ad for the dungeon that I ended up working at for a little bit. And because wrestling fetish and working at the dungeon kind of coincided together, wrestling fetish is this beautiful, unique world. And it's a kind of very niche market as well. And I also got into that kind of, I don't know, I like fell into it as well because I was talking to this person who wanted to take the picture of my quads, who never did. But I was telling him I was struggling with like money stuff. And he's like, just throw throw a picture up on this website. Maybe people will throw money at you. And I start getting bombarded with these emails of wrestling people. And I was like, I have to learn jujitsu. I need to learn. I am strong, (laughs) but I am small. So I need to figure out some tactics because an hour is a long time. Is that how long you do it? Usually sessions are at least an hour. Yeah. There's a lot of different types of sessions. So I'm not going... You can't go all out for an hour. If you're doing like when you're doing lift and carry, which is literally what it sounds like, you can't do that for an hour. So a lot of the times it's like a lift and then we chat for 20 minutes Uh and then you lift them and then you chat. So it kind of, it varies as well too, um, between how competitive that it is. But because I was having such success with that and I enjoyed it so much. And if you told anyone from my childhood that I'm wrestling and trash talking, they're like, yeah, we could definitely see that. (laughs) Um, But because I was doing so well there, I ended up quitting the dungeon after like, I don't know, only like three or four months and going independent. But I, gosh, I mean, my best friend is someone who I met there. I'm seeing a couple people this weekend of people that I met at that dungeon. So I still made so many amazing connections and it really healed my relationship with like femmes and women. And maybe kind of gave you the vision for like what you could do? Was it like expansive in that way where you're like, oh, there are all these kind of modes of sex work and kink? I mean, like dungeons are great and horrible places. And like Mm. within seven days of domination, we have made free somebody's talk about going independent after working in a house. And like a house definitely has its places. That's what we call a dungeon, like a house model. And it definitely has its place. And it can definitely be really great if you know what it is that you're going into. But outside of the community that was formed there, I really don't feel like I got, it's not like I gained that much skill in general. It just was something where like, it was a place I could go and potentially make money for every shift that I was in. But as a brat, I hate when someone determines my schedule and tells me what I can and can't do. And at that point, it was between my like 
marketing for a sex educator and doing social media, the wrestling fetish stuff. And then I also had um, a side gig as a mental health professional. And between those, I was like, my income is stable enough where, you know, I have all these plates spinning. I can drop this one because the hours I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, privates. Boo, boo, privates with penises. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Our sponsor, Fleshlight, can help you reach new heights with your self pleasure. And that is because Fleshlight is the number one selling male sex toy in the world. And they don't just leave you hanging over there. At Fleshlight, you can explore sex toys with expert guides and advice, especially if you're a beginner or you're looking to level up. If you have been listening to the show for a while, you know how I feel about self-pleasure, and it is very, very good. And I definitely endorse using sex toys. I have a lot of fun with sex toys myself. So with the Fleshlight Girls series, you can embrace your wildest porn star fantasies with a different porn actress every night. What? With the variety of models, sensations, and intensities, you can live out limitless fantasies. And you can automate your fantasies with a universal launch that fits most Fleshlight products. With its innovative touch control system, just set the controls, sit back, and enjoy. And you have pleasure right in your hands. Your pleasure is in your complete control. And as the ultimate male pleasure device on the market, it's as versatile as you are anatomical, stamina building, vibrating, or made for couples, you name it. You define your luxury moment. And I just want to say, if you have any shame around sex toys, please don't. It is so much better than being weird with girls because you feel kind of desperate or whatever. Fleshlight just allows you to chill out, wait for the right girl when she comes, and in the meantime, you know you are going to be getting yours and having a good time. So you don't even have to sweat it. And right now, Fleshlight is offering Private Parts Unknown listeners 10% off your order with our code PRIVATE10. So you just go to ppupod.com. That's the website, ppupod.com. You click Fleshlight and you use the promo code PRIVATE10 to get 10% off your delicious new device. Again, that is ppupod.com and enter code PRIVATE10. And it really helps support the show. It helps support yourself and your own sex drive. So go ahead and use the link in the episode description. We can all be horny together. We can keep this podcast going. So get yourself a flashlight and get yourself off. Lola is the co-head mistress of Seven Days of Domination. They offer online education for aspiring doms. So I asked her if she had any tips for folks thinking about entering this space professionally. I think in general is that, you know, everything that you think that you know is not true necessarily because there's all these different notions we have or if our only exposure is to things in media, or we think that it's all about pain and all of these different things is it's really about 
I say this multiple times and repeat it in my doming 101 class. So it drives home to people, but that doming is about creating a safe, non-physical space where someone can be at their most vulnerable. Mm. And what their most vulnerable is can look like many different things. And to get them to that place, you don't have to beat it out of them. It could just be staring at them in silence. And that could be what takes them to that place. It could take multiple sessions. So it's really not about having a rush to the finish line to get that, you know, proverbial rush. But I think it's something where it's really just, it's unique to each individual person. And that's why it's really fun. That's why it's really fascinating. And that's also why we're going to continue teaching about it, learning about it, because it's going to be different in every scenario, every person, every day. And you're not going to know what that is going straight into it. Like even with professionals, like, you know, we see hundreds of different types of subs. So we we get very good at it. We get very good at kind of like, you know, typecasting a little bit based on interest, but we still have to talk to them. We have to ask questions. We have to figure out what are places we can play with them? What are places we can stay away from? What their goals are? Does that align with what we are willing and able to do? And I guess the other thing too, is that it doesn't always relate to sex. Sometimes the release or the joy is just being able to do this thing that is really naughty or that you're obsessed with or you're, you don't get a chance to do, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people are like, I don't get it. If they don't orgasm, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it a lot of like recurring regulars and do you find people mostly online or is it more in person? Like how do you strike out? You said Craigslist, but I think Craigslist is cracked down. <laughs> Correct. That was uh, that was pre fosta Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it's going to be different for everyone. And my main career is sex education. So my sex work is more of like the side gig that honestly, Mm -hmm. I do more when I travel than when I'm in New York. Although I will say in the beginning of the pandemic, that was my sole source of income. So things can kind of, you know, the different plates spin at different times. Right. Um, But for between regulars, in-person, online, all of that totally differs from person to person. I am so goddamn lazy with my sex work like for marketing and all that stuff especially because wrestling's made it so easy for me so like I'm sure if I tried a little bit harder I could have so many regulars but I don't and I don't care um because it's also not my main source of income too and it's funny when you're talking about do I get them in person online I pretty much get everything from this website sessiongirls.com and that helps me because I only want to see wrestling clients I do not want to see fans of mine from my sex ed persona who want to wrestle me that is a bit because it's very close and intimate and that's kind of it creeps me out a little bit and I really love having a distance as I like performing I like having this like glass wall where you can look but you can't touch Mm kind of thing and even when I was at DomCon which is a conference for doms I would get approached by people who are like, hey, can we do a session later? I'll pay you or here's what I want. And it was so unsettling to me because I didn't have this wall between us of an email exchange where I could get a vibe for them to see if it's something I wanted to do. And I had an experience. I had experienced someone coming to me in person for a paid session. And like, God bless these like two incredibly old men who like (laughs) didn't have an email address. And this is probably the only way like sure he had like a flip phone or something. And it's like, yeah, for this person, it's like do or die. This is the the only way that they're going to be able to get this session. Uh, Do or die. Not not quite literally, but also maybe. (laughs) 
That's really interesting. Yeah, I can see how, because the personas are kind of intertwined, but I could totally see why sometimes you want to be like separate. I mean, the way it is, it's like if somebody in my life wants to become like a fan or a student or whatever, that's fine. The thing with wrestling specifically is that there's a lot more education and teaching I'm going to have to do to make sure I don't get hurt. Because wrestling Mm. me doesn't mean that we're just going to go at each other full force. There are rules. It is a dance. There is a way of going about Mm. it. And pre-established wrestling clients or people that are find me on the wrestling website already know this. So I have different email addresses. So I know where people come from. And that also like triggers to me about like the safety. Oh, that's yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into squirting, which you're uh, a pro, <laughs> literally a world record holder and pegging. But just in terms of like exploring kink. Do you have any tips for how to figure that out and navigate trying new things, finding what you like, and finding partners that you can do that with? Yeah. So, I mean, outside of, you know, educate, 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 that's like all the pros are doing this as well. And, you know, what I'm about to say pulls from both Shayla and I's work with Seven Days of Domination, but also one of our like idols, Princess Callie, who has been doing this for way longer than we have and has a lot of like free books and materials as well. But it's the focus on feelings over activities. So a lot of times we like to think, let me try this new activity. Let me try spanking. Let me try rope. Um, Let me try choking or any of these things to see if I like it. And that's not necessarily the best indicator because a lot of times novelty can get in the way. Like when I first was spanked, I thought I liked it. Turns out I don't like, I hate pain. Pain sucks. I'm a baby, but I love attention. And there's plenty of ways I can get attention that don't involve getting spanked or hurt. So the novelty part kind of misguided that a little bit. And also, like, a lot of these things are really dangerous. The things that I just mentioned go wrong more often than they go right, especially by people who are trying it out for the first time. So that's why we encourage people to lead with feelings. And Shayla and I created this kink feelings chart versus a joke, but then people are like, no, you should do that because we're like, (laughs) men are so bad at telling you how they want to feel or identifying a feeling that's not aroused or horny. So we need to make a chart that they can point (laughs) out. Um, so we made this and it's it's for dominant submissives, whoever, but they're just different goal feelings. And the thing is, when you lead with a feeling, that can both influence what activity you might enjoy or how you do a certain activity. Because I can spank someone centrally or I can do it sadistically. Or at the same time, if I really like spanking and my partner doesn't, but I know my partner wants to feel like naughty or they want to feel used, then I can do other things that can make them feel naughty or feel used. So it's really good in trying to find some sort of middle ground because negotiation doesn't mean like in like divorce court where it's like, all right, I get the kids on weekends, you get them for holidays. It's not giving something up so that someone else Mm -hmm. gains. It's finding something that works for everyone so that no one is feeling like they're at a loss or that they have to do something for you because they love you or think you're hot or or whatever that may be. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So let's get into squirting. Congratulations. So have you achieved this world record twice now? Is that, am I understanding? Yeah. 
the first time, and I'm glad I actually did it twice because it was more where people are like, oh, are you going to defend it? And I was like, why would I defend it? No one's broken it. But the first time I did it was my very first like large scale event that was sort of by accident, but we reached a capacity at 300 people. And now I've been throwing a lot of events. So this last one, like I had a great photographer, I had a good stage and good lighting. So there's like, it was a lot more press friendly. But the first one I set in 2019, and I broke science, I bested science by 350 milliliters of what they said a human could squirt. And then I bested my own record in September of 2022. And I squirted 1350 milliliters in 25 seconds. So 50% more than what science said is possible. Incredible. What does science say is possible? 900 milliliters. Wow. Um, <laughs> and like science says a lot of things that right. like I said this because I'm like, my body can disprove what you're saying. You say it's involuntary. No, it's not. You say it happens during orgasm. No, it doesn't. You say it's only via penetration. Nope. Yeah. Well, they don't study us. So <laughs> so let's let's just break it down, make it really simple. What is squirting and what is squirt? Yes. The million dollar question. Um, right. So squirting is the expulsion of fluid in the vulvovaginal area during a period of potential sexual stimulation or pleasure. Sometimes for some people, it is not that. Now, when I say expulsion, it doesn't mean it has to like eject out of the body. It can fall out of the body. It can gush out of the body. It can dribble. It doesn't matter in what type of force or the quantity of it. Now for what squirt is, jury's out. Um, I think in general, we find that there are some traces of similar properties that there are in urine, but there's also prostate-specific antigen, and there's like water, minerals, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the deal, is that I'm very good at squirting and I can control it. I'm also very good at peeing and I can control it. I know the difference when mm -hmm. I'm squirting and peeing, and I know how to control when I want to squirt or pee like on a bed, in the mm -hmm. toilet, on a person, like I do those things and it's definitely not the same function because I have to con really focus on it to control that. Now they have done some studies recently and here's what I don't like about it is they're like, oh, well, we put this blue dye in the bladder and what came out was blue. So therefore it must be urine because it came from the bladder. It's like, cool. But you also did studies where you ultrasound people and you made sure they emptied their bladder. And during sexual stimulation, the bladder filled up with liquid, but like that doesn't mean that it's urine. It's right. the bladder's filling up with liquid, but like, where is that liquid coming from? Because if it enters the bladder, yeah, it's going to get that blue dye in it. Sure. But I can feel it within my body of like, it's coming from somewhere. It happens when I'm dehydrated. It is a different thing and it's going to, it smells different. It tastes different. I've done side-by-side -side comparisons. What I will say is no matter what, no bodily fluid keeps well. I don't care if we think squirt is the nectar from the gods. If you hold on to that for multiple days, it's fucking gross because it's a bodily fluid. And I know <laughs> this because I sold my squirt at my event and I forgot to unpack, I guess, the bag the unsold bottles were in until a week later. And that was one of the grossest things I've ever had to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have squirted a, maybe a handful of times and it's totally different. I feel like that question is so stupid, but I want to clear it up. Yeah. And the thing is, is no matter what, people are going to be like, it's piss. But here's the thing. The people that say that are not people who squirt every time without right. fail. Right. So how did you discover that you could do it? Was it intentional or did you just find like it just happened? No, it was I 
didn't even know what squirt was when I did it. I was not trying to do it. And honestly, like jury's out if I did it before that moment, because I only knew I did it because someone told me. They were like, oh, you squirted. Is that something you do? And I was like, I don't know, I guess. And then like the next time, because like there wasn't a negative connotation with it, I like there was no denying it. I destroyed this poor man's mattress. Um, (laughs) But it was just from like run-of-the-mill oral, purely external so it wasn't from, I guess, what a lot of people when they're trying to squirt do. But I also have my theory of, of there being two different types of squirters. And the type that I am, which is broad response, is that's just how my body experiences pleasure, which is why I do it so frequently and so often and more so not associated with orgasm. What's the other type of squirter? So there's broad response and specific response. And essentially for broad response, that's someone who usually squirts due to any type of, you know, a certain level of sexual stimulation or pleasure. Whereas a specific response person is someone who usually squirts for a specific type of motion. So like a G-spot stimulation Mm -hmm. with a finger or from anal stimulation, like there's something specific that you do that will get that person to squirt. Aside from like, they always squirt. (laughs) Okay. I think I'm the second type because I could only do it with this certain toy that like is harder than a lot of my other ones. (laughs) So, and it was like a magical toy in that way. I was like, oh, this is, (laughs) and then it broke. I have to get a new one. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I was impressed for that reason that you could do it using only your hand. But I guess that's because of the broad response. Correct. Yeah. And I can I can do it 500 different ways. I actually just did um, like a, this TV spot or a documentary and they needed me to squirt at the end. And I think they just thought it was going to be a lot more difficult. And I was telling them, usually people are just shocked at how fast I can do it <sighs> because I'm an athlete at this point. And it's more, I just have like a mind vulva connection. And once that's there and I'm like prepared, I can do it in a few seconds. But I was telling them, I'm like, I can do this as many times as you want. You want a bunch of angles? And then I literally had the camera person telling me when, like I'm pouring them lemonade. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I don't know. Do you have tips for people who want to do it? It seems like it comes very naturally for you. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole course on it. It's the quick and dirty squirting course. And the the big difference with my teachings and actually why I kind of started doing sex ed or teaching about squirting is that I didn't feel like there was enough from the squirter's perspective. It was all about making someone squirt. So with my course, like there is no timeline, like this is going to happen for you when it happens to you. And for everyone, it's going to happen in a completely different way. I have a couple of different like motions and movements, but it's really about recognizing when you have a certain level of engorgement and then figuring out how to get it out of your body. Mm. So a lot of it's experimenting with your pelvic floor muscles. And that doesn't mean do a bunch of kegels forever because that's also not good for you. So it's all the different movements of the pelvic floor contracting, lengthening and relaxing as well. And those are things that are both going to change your pleasure. So you can change anything that you're doing. You're having partnered sex, you're masturbating. Like those are things where you have a lot more control over your pleasure instead of being a passive recipient. And I think for a lot of people who have vulvas, they really enjoy this a lot more than a lot of like cis male oriented squirting courses because it takes the pressure off of them. And it also is explaining, here's what's going on in your body. Here's what you may feel. Here's what this means. Here's what this doesn't mean. And also do it by yourself because if your body does anything embarrassing, you don't have to tell anybody. And 
it's easier then because we don't have the pressure of another person. And if we're going to please them or satisfy them, if they're going to be upset with us and all of these, these different things. Um, but in general, like our bodies are really cool. They, mine continues to amaze me like on the daily. So if we just let it go on autopilot, like we can discover some pretty cool things. Okay. So pegging, that's another area of expertise. Let's do a little guide for if you're interested in doing it, obviously you need the gear, but what are tips for people nervous about butt stuff? (laughs) I think that any anal experience should start with hand play before it starts with any kind of dildo or penis, especially dildo, because we don't have any nerve endings on that dildo. We can't feel where that's going. So it's better to be able to do this tactile with our fingers. And especially if that person has a prostate, we can engorge that area so that by the time we go in with a dildo, it's a lot easier to hit these spots as well. So in my pegging course too, we have like a whole part on hand play that's both good for teaching the person who is being penetrated as well for teaching the person who is doing the penetrating of like, what are you looking for? What are you feeling? What should you experience? And it's a lot more than like lube up, breathe, go slow. That's great advice for any sexual encounter of any kind, but you know, there's a bit more things involved in it. So I have a lot of different positioning, um, especially for first timers. We often go to doggy style, which is an awful position a lot of times for pegging because of height differentials in addition to like you know it's it's removed and sometimes you want to have a really intimate pegging act but there's a lot more effort that has to be made in doggy style versus like planking or even with like cow person or person on top that lets Mm. the person being penetrated have complete control because usually we have a lot of fear stored in our anus um, because we're so scared of what's going to happen when something goes in there. Understandably, if people are just like trying to shove it in or like, you know, go for the gold or whatever, it's probably not a fun experience. So it's, you know, hand stuff and then finding better positioning that will make both of you comfortable. I heard you talking or maybe as an article or on a podcast, but just like how surprised some men are. The male prostate is such an incredible thing that they're like kind of shocked at the experience. Can you speak to that? I and like a lot of my friends are similar to me too. And we've had so many experiences where guys are just so like defensive over their butthole. But then because we're like, it's hot, I'm cool with it. You don't have to do it. And like of who we are, they're like, this is my chance. If I'm not, I don't want to do it, but if it's going to be with anyone, it's going to be with you. It's like, <laughs> right. okay, cool. I didn't ask to do it, but if you want me to, like, that's fine. And there's just so much stored within it, whether it's going to be pain, poop, or some kind of internalized homophobia that they also mm-hmm. store in their butthole. But a lot of times, I can't tell you how many times I've been like hooking up with someone and like I over communicate because I don't think I won't want anyone to think I'm just going to stick a finger up their butthole. Mm-hmm. Like they are going to know before anything goes in there. But I will stimulate the prostate externally, which you can do so in like the taint area. It's kind of a more like bulging part between the balls and the butthole. And just by kind of massaging or pressing on that area, I'll get a big reaction from them. It's like, surprise, honey, that's your prostate. (laughs) You like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. Then they're like begging for it, please. <laughs> I'm like, the thing is like, I'm not forcing this on anyone. It just looks like a very attractive option at that point. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to be very gentle with them and careful. Like, it's not going to also be this incredible dominant experience where I'm like railing them. I like a very sweet, sensual pegging. It's also one of the reasons why I don't do it professionally anymore, because it's something that is very intimate to me. I want to end by talking about a little bit more about seven days of domination. If you can kind of explain what that is, how you got started, and what you do over there. Yeah, so seven days of domination is marathon online kink education, and it's designed to bring low-cost education to sex workers. However, it's you know educational content that's for everyone. We just have a very heavy discount for sex workers. And we bring in different pro-doms, pro-dominance from all over the world on their area of expertise. So a lot of the times we just ask people, what do you love? What are you really excited about? Because they're going to bring that energy to whatever that may be. And we've accumulated over 60 classes. We're starting our ninth volume now. This started as like a happy accident of the pandemic where we were doing this while we were working on another project that hasn't launched. And we were just trying to make our friends some money and break even. And now we've created this really amazing community. So in addition to all of these classes on concepts and hard skills, we also have something called a baby down boot camp. And that is essentially everything that you would need to know. That's all like the soft skills of pro domination and sex work. So like the unsexy things, like how do I make an ad? How do I vet people? How do I build community? What do I do for finances? How do I build my social profile or things like that? So it's all of these things that you know, it's it's easy to find a class on how to throw a whip or something or how to mm-hmm. do needle play or something like that. But it's really hard to find these things that tended to just be kept through whisper next networks or just networking and things like that. So we're making that into an online course. We also have a workbook for self-study and we're launching this online community so that people in, you know, wherever Minnesota can connect with each other or they can ask questions to other people and get that feedback instead of relying on a dungeon dressing room, which, you know, are only in major cities as well. So it's this beautiful thing that has grown into so many different pieces. And it's really the community that we do it for that also makes it what it is. And I get to work with my best friend every day too. So that's also fun. (laughs) That's really cool. Well, is there anything else? No, I mean, everything, whether it's seven days of domination, that's seven days of domination.com. Everything of all of my courses or upcoming events is lolajean.com or courses.lolajean.com. And I just also launched um, a forum specifically. There's one for people who squirt And I want that to be free of people questioning the validity of our bodies or the contents of squirt so that we can have a place to gather and discuss. Because when I did a bunch of interviews with people, that just felt like what was missing. And also a board for masturbation, one for people with penises, one for people with vulvas to skill share, to ask questions. I have a forthcoming guided audio masturbation, one for people with vulvas, one for people with penises. There's currently a free one for people with vulvas on Spotify and iTunes and all of that, but I'm updating them 
um, <laughs> as soon as I move and get settled and can do that. And what are your social handles? Everything is lolajean.com with the D-O-T spelled out. So you also can't forget my website that way. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Lola Jean. Oh my God, what a cool chick. Definitely give her a follow at lolajean.com. And to stay up on our episodes, make sure you're following Private Parts Unknown on your favorite podcast player. I'd also like to stay in touch in between episodes via Substack. So subscribe to our newsletter at privatepartsunknown.substack.com. The link is in the episode description. And of course, follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and Private Parts Un on Twitter. Shout out to Amy Rausch for the bomb-ass theme music. For more about Amy and her music, check out amyrausch.com. That's Amy, R-A-A-S-C-H.com. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda of Plastic Audio. And after enjoying this content, could I ask you for a super quick favor? Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private Give us a five-star rating and review. It helps other people find the show and it makes me feel amazing and it just helps. Okay, so just do it. Again, that is ratethispodcast.com slash private. Or if you're listening on Spotify, it's so easy. You just go to the upper left-hand corner of the Private Parts Unknown page. You click the star button and then you click all five stars. And until next time, I am wishing you lots of horniness and happiness and gushing waterfalls of squirts. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.